Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Hey, welcome to Friday and today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drink, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day in the pickle bar led by the barrels and the dills. Indeed, second to none. Along with six great flavors of slushies, all at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Big show today, moments away from Jeff Campersall, Penn State women's ice hockey coach. Reginald Walker Jr. joining us to talk about football from Charlotte. Head football coach James Franklin and Anthony Tresh from Pro Football Focus. But we start out with the head coach of the Penn State women's ice hockey team, Jeff Campersall. Coach, welcome. It's great to have you with us. Yeah, thank you, Steve. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, what a start that you've had. What did you see from your team out of the gate? Because you went out and you were able to hit several milestones with this particular weekend to get things rolling for you. Yeah, I just uh, well, first of all, just like our, our players, like I, I really uh, admire um, what they're doing uh, since the since the start of, or essentially like uh, August on uh it's obviously been a lot of uncertainty uh they've been very disciplined in, in their approach it's uh cliche-ish but it's literally everyday uh approach like taking what comes at them uh sometimes news comes fast and furious sometimes news wasn't coming at all um and then essentially telling them one thing and another thing is happening and and so it, the 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 leadership team at school led by sandy uh in particular for us like michael cross all the people uh at Pagula, uh, the, the staff there, uh, they're so amazing. And everybody did so much work to get us uh, the opportunity to play hockey. And, and our players did a big part in that. Um, again, like uh, I, I admire what they're doing. It's not easy. Uh, it's not like normal college days, but uh, they're extremely disciplined. And, and in our first weekend, they showed, uh, they showed that discipline. They showed a lot of enthusiasm. We have uh, great returning players and then uh, great first-year players. And a, and a lot of leaders and a lot of followers and vice versa. And so it's a, it's a really good culture. It's a really good group. And I'm proud of them. Yeah, you, you should be because I don't think people realize unless you're in there with them, the wear and tear, not physically, but mentally because of all this, because they have to make a lot of sacrifices to make it work. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like uh, the, the protocols put in place by Penn State are – uh, are in the best interest uh, of them, of all the student athletes, of all the students uh, on campus. Um, and so there's not a, uh, when they're used to like an amazing college campus town and a lot of things going on, a lot of activities, uh, a lot of that is obviously like shut down. Uh, then, you know, just going to the grocery store is a chore. They have to uh, like mask up and be disciplined and distant and wash their hands. And so everything is, uh, is obviously not the the same, but um, they've grown accustomed to this uh, new time, and again have stayed disciplined along the way and, and given themselves uh, a chance to play the sport they love. 
want to talk about uh, one of your captains, Natalie Heising, for a moment. Um, she goes out in the opening weekend. She gets three goals and an assist for you. She does this, by the way, in a whopping nine shots. <laughs> yeah. uh, what kind of player has she become for you over time? Well, well first, uh, Natalie's been a, a great leader. Uh, her, along with Renee and uh, Anna Promisberger, have been uh, great captains. But, uh, but obviously, we're, we're led by Natalie, and uh, she shows up every day, works hard. Uh, as a player, she's certainly skilled, uh, good skater, and you know, in all my time coaching, she's one of the like the best uh, sharpshooters that I've seen. Uh, her goals, like this weekend, were uh, I mean, usually you're seeing like Natalie like snipe top corners and things like that. Her goals were more of like a, a grinding uh, kind of style, and then uh, Kiara Zan and her center uh, fed her with a nice like open net, but um, but Natalie. Uh, more so, more important on the ice. Like obviously, her on ice uh, contributions are um, are awesome, and we'll we'll take them. But her off ice contributions, in terms of uh, leading the way, uh, being clear uh, clear message to our players, is uh, is the most important thing, and, and being a good human. This is the first time too that Penn State women's ice hockey has opened the season with back to back wins. Uh, how important was it to see? Your team, you play the opener, you win the opener, but then to follow it up with another good performance that wins for you. Yeah, well, I, yeah, thank you. I tell them all the time, just uh, great teams are consistent, whether that's uh, showing up and putting your work in in practice, but on a on a on a game to game basis. But we play our, our opponents in uh, games of two, and so usually when you win the, if you win the first one, there's a little bit of a letdown. Um, on the second game, but like we, our second and third period of the first game, we're really strong. And then to score 30 seconds into uh, the second game got us off to a good start. And uh, and again, like this, the, the team is uh, eager. They're eager to play. Um, they listen. Uh, they're coachable, and uh, it's fun coming to the rink. And not only that, but freshman Josie Botham was able to. Get a shot out in her first career start. She kicked out 23 shots. What kind of potential do you see with her? Yeah, Josie, again, Josie, like uh, every, everyone else on the team, is, is working hard. Uh, she's extremely talented. Um, we have a really good uh, goalie coach and, and Ben Halford who helps all our goaltenders. But uh, Josie uh, has listened and put in her work and was deserving uh, of those starts. Uh, and if you know she continues to play the the way that she did this weekend, then um, then the future is bright for our program. Yeah, and can you tell yet, even in just a couple of games, what kind of communicator she is with her defense, with her forwards? Because you and I both know communication is so important for a goalie. It's something the fans can't hear; they probably can't see because of the mask. But as a coach, you need it. Yeah, it's it's probably something for me to investigate more. I, I we talked about it, uh, or Coach Allison had spoken to the D's and the goalies. Like that's um, uh, that's one of her many roles, and uh, you know, kind of give like keywords for the goalie and the and the defenseman whether they're going to move it up or move to the side. Uh, I, I do think Josie's vocal. I know uh, she's certainly competitive. There was a couple times uh, in the game where it's a longer. Uh, dump in situation or an ice and she was able to get to the puck and move it up quickly so she has like the puck handling ability uh, as well um, as well as like stopping pucks so like again like she's she's off to a good start she's got a, a long way to go and a lot to learn but uh, but again like we're happy that she's at Penn State. Like the next four are going to be with Syracuse and the first two will be at Pagula you've got them Saturday at two and Sunday at two 
So you beat Lindenwood 3 nothing. then you follow up 4-1. to one. Jeff, what kind of early barometer is Syracuse for your team? Yeah, Sy- Syracuse, we were uh, – it was one of those teams that we – our first couple of years, the new coaching staff um, that we, we couldn't knock off, and, and finally um, we knocked them off towards the end of last year. And then I actually thought the, the game that we played – we, we knocked them off at their place on a Friday, and I thought the game that we played Saturday was better than the one that we played on Friday, and, and we, we came up short. So that was uh, that gave us a lot of confidence, and hopefully will still give us confidence. Obviously, it's a, it's a much different team for us uh, this year, but hopefully, uh, I think we know that uh, we've put our work in. Uh, we know Syracuse is a really good program. We know that they're physical, so we'll have to match that physicality, but uh, do what we do best and move the puck, uh, transition well, play good defense, and take take advantage of power plays or any good five-on-five opportunities that we have. But but it will be a good test. Like Syracuse has been one of the better uh, teams in our conference for a while now. We are about in the neighborhood of 16 months away from the Frozen Four being at Pagula, the first of two, by the way. The other one will be in 2026. That was awarded uh, about two months ago. So as you're progressing this program forward, and look, you're, we're obviously only two games into this this particular season, but do you see a trajectory, especially with those two gems sitting at home in 22 and 26 with this program? Yeah, it's probably on a, on a daily basis, not something that we think about. We're certainly, again, like the, the staff at Pagula is amazing, and um, to, to, to have them give us the opportunity to host uh, – uh, puts you know makes our program more nationally recognized uh, not only in 22 and in 26 like certainly like we do whatever we can to get there in 22 um, and again like there's a lot that happens between now and then in terms of recruiting uh, so 26 seems so far away but right now uh, we're on a pretty good pace we think in terms of uh, kids committed to the program hopefully um, that is indeed the case as, as time goes on and um it's been a little bit of a strange year for all recruiting and all sports and, and the dead period. And, and obviously uh, uh, it's what should be happening. No recruiting, but um, eventually when we get back on the road, uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, quick decisions to get ready for the class of 23. And so we feel like we're pretty good shape with our 21s and 22s and that, that will put a good product on the ice that uh, Penn State fans can be proud of. Jeff, let's get to special teams for a moment. You scored four power play goals in the opening weekend. Did you like the coordination you saw on your special teams and the puck movement? Yeah, we uh, definitely it was great puck movement. Again, we have some uh, we have some pass passers uh, with vision. We have some kids who can really shoot. Um, all, all of our players are skaters, so we in practice we kind of mix uh, kids around a little bit. We we we'd like to keep the same structure, but sometimes if uh, if players are out there five on five and they've had a long shift and they draw a penalty, uh, they might be our power play players, but not, might not be ready to go. And so our next group is, you know, just as good as our first, and they can go out and and uh, and do their thing. And then sometimes like those groups get meshed, um, with, you know, with all different people, but they know their roles. And uh, and again, so far they've been able to make good decisions, try to try to narrow the power play down into two on ones. Uh, shoot when they can, and so we, we probably could do a little bit better job of screening the goalie. Um, but again, like after one weekend, uh, to be I think we're like 25% around yes. there. Like uh, that's a great start for us. 
Yeah, four power plays on 16 yes. uh, penalties. Now let's flip yep. it around. The only goal you gave up was a power play goal to, to Lindenwood. But yeah. let's take it a step further, though. Okay, that was one for 11, 9% shorthanded for your team. So 91% kill. How did you feel about the coordination of the kill? Yeah, the uh, well, we definitely like the the power play to stay 20 to 25%, but the kill to stay on the 90%. Uh, last year, we, we I don't think we were very good on the kill. It uh, wasn't for a lack of effort, but this year is that's something that we, we really want to – uh, focus on and uh, be aggressive. So sometimes it's uh, again like earlier in the year where uh, all our power plays, you know, across the across the nation, and kids maybe being a little nervous and flash excited. So I think it's uh, the more aggressive that you can probably be and, and cause uh, chaos. I, that's that's the route that we'll take. Um, but but we'll also just make sure that our rotations are, are good. And and so the one. Uh, the one goal, the rotation was a little slow, but it's a good uh, it's a good learning moment for us. You had five different freshmen record their first career points over the weekend against Lindenwood. How do you feel initially about this freshman class? Yeah, they're 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 a great group. Again, uh, first and foremost, like great humans, but uh, they're really good hockey players. And the best part is that is that they're rink rats. Uh, they're at the rink all the time. They're obviously taking care of their academics. But uh, on days off, they, they show up and put in work. Um, so it's it's an awesome group. Um, can't speak highly uh, can't speak highly of them enough. Um, super glad that they're here. They all have uh, different talents and add different uh, elements to our uh, to our team on the ice. But overall, just uh, the enthusiasm and the love of hockey is uh, is really important. Have you been able to get a gauge realistically on what their conditioning is like, especially so early in the season, considering everything they've gone through? Yeah, we, we have a great uh, strength coach and Christina Jeffries, and so she's done a really good job with our uh, with our players off the ice. And, uh, you know, our Ds, we, had, we played four Ds, like Rene Gangarosa, uh, you know, was really unselfish uh, for us and jumped up front when we needed her. Um, she'll probably do that a little bit more this weekend and maybe start playing D if we get uh, one of our players back. Um, but like our D's played probably, they actually, I mean, they all played about 30 minutes, um, half the game, uh, each game. So uh, a full 60 minutes is a pretty like epic effort. And then the forwards were averaging anywhere between like 14 and 25 minutes. So they, they put in a lot of work. Um, but they were ready for it. I didn't sense like any uh, fatigue. Uh, again, I'm sure there there was, but like mentally and physically, they they seem pretty strong throughout the six periods. So, how do you feel about the depth? I mean, it's not like you have tremendous numbers, but how do you feel about the depth? Do you feel like your third line goes out? You know, I know they compete, but do they compete at the yeah. level you need for a third line? Yeah. Well, the uh, our one of our groups like scored our first um, first goal on. I forget what day now that you know, we started on Sunday. Sorry. So like uh, a great effort. Uh, they had a lot of, uh, uh, they had a lot, a lot of energy on the puck, supported one another and came across uh, the goalie tucked in a nice, like five hole shot. Uh, Carrie, Carrie Burns scored her first collegiate goal, which ended up being the game winner. Um, and to get that production from, from those players, like right away. And, and like you said, like a bunch of, a bunch of the first years had their first points, their first goals, their first assists. And, 
Um, and, and that's what we expect from all of them. We expect them to be productive and they will be, uh, but to happen like so quickly, uh, right off the bat for us was, uh, was just, was actually really kind of cool to see. I know as a coach, you want them to approach practice the same all the time, but how about this week? You picked up two wins, right? So now they're heading into a big weekend. You see a little extra jump in practice because in practical application, they found success. Yeah, the uh, so it's a, again like with uh, the help of uh, you know KJ and our athletic trainer uh, Emily Steckel, like they we're trying to work our players hard, but also give them uh, a breather as well. So the the Sunday Monday games we had a light practice the, the next day uh, Wednesday off, so that so they came back uh, today and they were they were on it. They were really crisp, uh, a lot of good energy, um, and so I was excited for that. And so tomorrow we'll have another sort of quick uh, quick practice and some of the things that we need to still hit on to get ready for Syracuse, and, and, and we'll be ready to go on uh, Saturday at 2. Congratulations on a great start. Best of luck this weekend with Syracuse Saturday and Sunday at Pagula. Thank you, Steve. I really appreciate being on. Penn State Women's Ice Hockey Coach Jeff Campersall. Coming up, Reggie Walker Jr. joining us to talk college football next half hour. James Franklin at 4.06 today. Our show today brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Party time, game time, or just fun time. Doesn't matter what time it is, because it's Brewers Outlet time. The Beverage Supermarket has the area's largest beer selection, imports, microbrews, ciders, and domestics. Pick from over 100 ice-cold 12-packs and dozens of 24-ounce singles. Soda, snacks, hot sauces, fresh roasted peanuts. Make it one-stop party shopping, and don't forget the pickle bar. So whatever you're celebrating or just doing it up, Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, Sunbury, wants to see you. And thank you for your years of patronage. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Welcome back. Great to have you with us on this Friday. It's a Brewers Outlet Day. It's a Brewers Outlet Weekend. It's a Brewers Outlet Holiday. Today's show is brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews. You need to be fully stocked with beer for the holiday season. And they have the best selection anywhere. Wine coolers. You have to make sure you have a supply of those. 
water, soft drinks, plenty of soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. And the pickle bar, led by the barrels and the dills, indeed second to none. And not only that, six great flavors of slushies. We're also in the holiday season, so you're looking for gift ideas. How do you tell somebody you care and give them something that they really enjoy and then can make their own selections with? How about a Brewer's Outlet gift card? Perfect. A Brewer's Outlet gift card tells them you care. It's something they're going to enjoy. And not only that, they can then make the selection of the beer they want. They can make the selection of the wine cooler they want or the water or the snacks, anything. All right. All at Brewer's Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. We are in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Again, repeat, Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. That's awesome. New inventory that you can select from. Can't ask for better product lines. Maybe pre-owned is what you prefer. Oh, great. Pre-owned inventory right there. And they have a great selection of a wide array of it that all have the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Big. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. As of right now, the Rose Bowl, which is the semifinal game this year, is still going to be played despite all the restrictions in California right now, but they will not allow any fans. They said, while we are disappointed that the Rose Bowl game will not be played in front of spectators, we are pleased that we will still be able to hold the game this year, continuing the 100-plus tradition of the granddaddy of them all, said uh, David Eads, who's the executive director and CEO of the Pasadena Tournament of Roses. We continue to work closely with the health department, and other officials and the Rose Bowl Stadium provide the safest possible environment for our game participants. The bowl requested an exemption to allow a limited number of guests of players and coaches. That request was denied due to the state and county guidelines, including Los Angeles County's Tier 1 status. The news comes after local restrictions have been forced on several teams, including Stanford, San Jose State, and the 49ers, 49ers now for the next three weeks have to be in Arizona. Uh, this will be the third time that the Rose Bowl will host a national semifinal. Oregon beat uh, Florida State 59-20. Then there was a fabulous game uh, that Georgia beat Oklahoma in double overtime 54-48 to uh, after the 2017 season. The Rose Bowl isn't the only post-game, uh, postseason game to announce a reduction in attendance. The Fiesta Bowl has also said that they're going to do that, allowing only immediate family members inside State Farm Stadium in Glendale for that game. All right, let's talk more football now. He wore number 14 here at Penn State. Yes, he did take my broadcasting class. He's now an analyst on the Charlotte uh, 49ers TV network and also for Gardner-Webb as a radio analyst, and that is Reginald Walker, Jr. Reginald, so great to hear on the other end, my friend. It's great to be on, Steve. How are you guys? Uh, it's, it, I tell you what, it, it's weird that I'm on today living in Charlotte, and it feels like State College down here. <laughs> you brought the weather with you. That's the problem. <laughs> That's the problem. That's you brought exactly it with you. Right. That's exactly right. Uh, when you look at it, I said, uh, I was talking, telling a story earlier that uh, when I was on with Mark Packard during the summer, he said, what, what's the goal? 
And I said, the goal is to play a game. I said, the second goal is to play a second game, <laughs> then play a third game. Is that how you feel as to how this has been playing out, that every week the goal is just to play one? It, it is. That's, and you are so smart. I actually heard you talking about that, and it's exactly what hit my brain because uh, as the Charlotte TV analyst, uh, I do all their home games. I've done one game this year yeah. in their place because they've had multiple times where whether it was them or the other team that they've had to postpone and or cancel games. And then one week they lose an opponent. They call up Gardner Webb, who ironically, I do their games. It's an FCS level team. I do their games for radio. Uh, that's 40 minutes down the road from right. Charlotte. That thing gets set. And then the day of that team, Gardner Webb, there's some back and forth in terms of who, who actually had to cancel the game, but there were positive tests on both sides. And this is a team in Gardner-Webb that hadn't played a game all year anyway. Right. So to your point, you're absolutely right. I mean, Coach Will Healy at Charlotte has talked about it. The, the scariest thing is waking up Friday, waiting for the results, and maybe having to go tell that team, yeah, we're not going to play today, whether it's on us or the opponent. It, it, he said that's the hardest part about it. Well, let's go back one week. Ohio State, Friday night, tells Illinois we, we can't show up. Friday night, and Clemson, day of game with, with Florida State. They can't, Reginald, they can't work it out so they can play the game, and so there is no game. And that was the day of the game. Yeah, and, I, you know, the, the Clemson thing, and obviously living in the Carolinas, that got a lot of play around here. My first concern with that was why is, there was a player for Clemson, uh, and this is public information now, that uh, had symptoms earlier in the week, but he was testing negative. Mm-hmm. And that player traveled, and then subsequently his last test, which was taken Thursday or Friday morning, I believe, and then they bust down. By the time they got there, they got the results, and that player is positive. Now, to me, my first thought is, and, and I'm assuming most other people is, why is that player traveling to begin with? Right. Um, that becomes the first problem. So I think the biggest issue has been the testing protocols. You have a lot of teams that are testing the day of travel, um, and then I've seen and talked to some coaches in some different conferences. Their method is if you are the road team, you test Monday, Wednesday. Again, not the Big Ten who tests every day, but other leagues, Monday, Wednesday, and then Thursday if you are traveling Friday for a Saturday game. And then home teams are testing Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Why hasn't the ACC adopted what the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are doing with daily testing? Do you have any idea? Since you're down in that area, has anybody said or answered that? It's never really been answered, and, and, and I'll speculate a little bit. I, I speculate it's, it's simply because if you actually look at the footprint, and, and this is just factual, if you look at the footprint, many of the states in the ACC footprint and the SEC footprint, to, to be frank, um, have higher numbers than a lot of other places. And I think they don't want to lose football games because it is that important to them to make sure those games are played. So they're going to do some different things. And, and look, I, I hearken back to, to the comment that uh, Coach Dan Mullen at Florida made after they lost at Texas A&M. Yeah. He says, hey, I hope we can have 100,000 in the swamp next week like we just had. And then three days later, Florida has to pause because they have a high number of positives in their, in their program. Including Dan Mullen. Including Dan Mullen, right. right. Including Dan Mullen. What has been the attitude of – it seems like Clemson's attitude has been, yeah, we're playing no matter what. Is that too general for me to say from 30,000 feet? 
Not totally too general. Um, I think I and I think I, I would venture to guess, right? Because I'm not there every day. Right. Um, that there is some things that that they're preparing themselves. Maybe they flip a guy's position to make sure they have enough healthy at whatever position they may need. But they're finding a way to play. You're absolutely right. And I think you know, and that's one of the things that we have talked about. And I've I've gotten a lot of questions from people about is well, look, why don't you just move a, a kid's position? And my response to that is, that sounds good until you're moving a kid that had never played offensive line in his life and he's 220 pounds right. to left tackle and your son is playing quarterback. Right. That changes everything. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think, but when you're, with all due respect, when you're recruiting at a level like Clemson, I think Coach Sweeney plus the, 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 uh, the eligibility additional eligibility that a lot of players all the players essentially are getting this year i think they're saying you know what if there's some true freshmen that we were saying we weren't going to play at all we'll just plug them in there to make the numbers work so we can go play a game there are 10 bowl games that right now are canceled with the las vegas bowl canceling yesterday charlotte has a bowl which is down where you are right now and of course there's also the acc championship game uh how strong is your feeling that a not that I, I'm 100% that the ACC title game is being played. But how about the bowl game? Anything about that? Have you heard anything about whether Charlotte's going to be able to host its bowl or not? There's some discussion, and actually there may be something coming out today. Um, but that get, they're, they're not going to play that game. And, and the main I think there's two major reasons for it. Um, cases are going up in the state. Um, but then we've just, in, in the state of North Carolina, where the stadium sits, just so everybody's aware, uh, Charlotte sits on the – basically touches the South Carolina border. Right. Um, and the stadium is on the North Carolina side. Um, there is additional now, essentially, even if you're inside of a building, you're asked to, it's, it's technically, it's a state mandate. You have to wear a mask, even when you're inside a building, regardless of um, how many people are around you, you have, you're asked to wear a mask inside of a building, unless you're in an office solo by yourself. And then they'll, and then it's okay to quote unquote, take the mask off. So, I think that adds to the concern of putting uh, a bunch of people in a stadium for, let's call it what it is, essentially an exhibition game, mm-hmm. a late December exhibition game outside, uh, potential for it to be cold, and, and another way to maybe pass on some more uh, germs. And you've already got an NFL team, obviously, that plays in that stadium, so I think that's a factor as well because then you're bringing this into that locker room uh, also. So. I think with the fact that there is no championship, quote unquote, on the line, um, and it's a bowl game that that just changed sponsors, so it's technically in its right. first year. Right. Uh, I it, I I don't expect that game to be played at all. Yeah, I think Belk was the sponsor before that, the department store. I think that's uh, exactly right. It was right. the Belk Bowl. Yeah, the Belk Bowl. So uh, your view, obviously, you're you're going to be a Penn Stater through and through. So what's your view of what you've seen from Penn State so far, Reginald? Yeah, I think, I think uh, look, I'll say it this way, Steve. I, I think losing the Indiana game cost them two more games. Yeah. I, I've, and we've talked about that, you and I, and anybody that loves sport and loves football, you cannot let a team beat you multiple times. I think the Indiana game beat this team at least one other week and probably lingered into the third week. If you look at the just the fourth quarter of the Ohio State game, you see the talent that this team has. Yeah. You see that when they're playing with confidence, they can make some things happen. I, I think it was a team that felt like the expectations obviously were really high, and they tried to 
exceed even those expectations at the start of the year in terms of players. I look at this team and I don't see a group that's not playing hard. It's a group that's playing really hard. Exactly. And I think at times, and I've said this about Sean Clifford and someone asked me, what's going on with the turnovers? I said, I think he's trying to be Superman and he doesn't have to be. Right. Um, and, and that was the, the running back. And that was the difference last week. He, he he just made plays last week. That's exactly right. Just calm down, play football. And then now the one thing I did notice, and I, and you know me, I'm not a huge stat guy. Right. But, you know, you, you obviously the Journey Brown thing happens. Then you lose Noah Kane, And everybody's saying, what are we going to do at running back? Well, I've always said, if you're recruiting well, just play him. You got no choice. Right. right? And so – uh, Kevon and Kazai, those guys have done enough and they've looked pretty good. And, and the thing I've noticed that jumped out to me, uh, obviously the Indiana game, Penn State lost. Uh, the Michigan game, Penn State won. But those are the two games, right? The close game and the game they won that a running back led the team in rushing. To me, that's a message. You got to turn around and hand the football off and let that big offensive line that has enough experience really get going and road grading people. Now, to that point, they haven't been consistent, particularly in the middle, where I thought they would be better on that offensive line. They've got more experience, want to see more consistency out of those guys. But I think that's where it starts. Right, exactly. Uh, and the other part, too, is we always talk about balance. And balance is not I throw 40, I run 40, or I run for 200, I pass. Although it's nice to have 200, 200. It's the threat of it. Uh, and that last week, Penn State, with its running backs, had a threat of the running game, which then made the passing game even better. I totally agree, and I think I think with this run, it's so important to get the running game going with this group and with this team, also because of the system. And and I've I've talked to coaches on that staff in the past, and and one of the things I've said is I'd like to see more than zone based principles, zone read based principles in the running game. I'd like to every now and then get under center, and I know that's a different part of the offense. Get under center and just run some old school power off-tackle stuff and beat some people up a little bit too just to mix that up. But you're absolutely right. You have to be able to establish that running game, particularly with this offense in the zone read game, to really create linebackers coming up so you can hit some of those slants. Because what I think people don't remember all the time is it's RPO-based, right? And so with an RPO, if that run threat is not there at the mesh, there is nothing to pull and throw behind a linebacker's ear. So you have to win the line of scrimmage. Uh, one final question. Uh, two-thirds through of the way through an NFL season, uh, we, I, I have to ask you about State College's Matt Rule. How is he being accepted down there in uh, Charlotte? Uh, you know, it's actually going uh, fairly well. Uh, I think at first a lot of people were like, oh, who's this college coach? He doesn't know what he's doing. And then they saw some of the pieces he brought in. Robbie Anderson, oh, another Temple guy. What is this guy going to do? Well, Robbie at one point was leading the league in, in receiving. He's still up near the top. This offense is playing really well at times. They've got to get more consistent. And then defensively, they went all defense in the draft. There were some issues earlier in the year. They seem to be improving. People are starting to embrace him more and more. Now, I will say this. This past week, they weren't too happy. But Matt Rule, I thought, was great in the postgame and taking responsibility Put it simply, guys, they were, they were up 24-13 in the fourth quarter. Uh, so, obviously, you're talking about a two-score game. One of the drives in the fourth quarter, they come out and go nine straight passes. That was a red flag to me. After the game, and then there were some other third-down throws near the red zone later in the game, in the red zone, I should say, later in the game where they could have run the ball. And even if you don't score, you kick a field goal, but you eat up another 40 seconds. 
So people down here were a little fired up. But after the game, uh, Rule went right to it and said, hey, listen, this is on us as coaches. The players did what they could to win this game. We kind of gave this game away. And, and even when, uh, you know, the sort of the stop sign was put up, and you, know, you guys know where I'm going here, yeah. when the stop sign was put up by the sports information people or the team PR people, he waved them off and said, no, I'm going to take all these questions because these people, you know, everybody deserves answers. So I think he bought uh, even more support here. And I think people, a lot of people here thought this was going to be a two or three or four win team. He's sitting there right now with four, with two very winnable games left down the stretch. So if this ends up being a six and 10 team and, and, and my goodness forbid, a seven and nine football team, I think everything changes. But he has, it's taken some time, but he's slowly won more and more people over. Reginald Walker Jr., it's great to have you back with us. Appreciate you very much. Anytime. I appreciate you guys. Take care. Stay warm. We are. It's Reginald Walker Jr., former Nittany Lion football player, now TV analyst for the Charlotte 49ers and also for Gardner-Webb on radio. Doing a lot of work down there, great work down there. We're going to have him back on next week as well. Looking forward to that very much. Penn State, of course, tomorrow will take on Rutgers and Piscataway. It looks like it's going to rain there. It might rain pretty hard. Kickoff is set for noon. We're on beginning at 10.30. So looking forward to that. And next half hour, we'll talk with James Franklin about his football team, how the week has been, and also some other items with him. Final half hour, Anthony Tresh will join us from Pro Football Focus. The Knight Commission yesterday recommended separating major college football and the college football playoff from the NCAA as a part of sweeping reform of college athletics. The new football entity would be called the National College Football Association. The NCFA, made up of the 130 current football subdivision schools, would be funded by the college football playoff. The new group would manage all issues related to education, health, safety, litigation, eligibility, enforcement, and revenue distribution in major college football. The NCAA would then govern only basketball as major revenue-generating sports in Division I. It would continue to oversee the other, quote, so-called other sports. The NCAA is made up of approximately 1,100 schools. 350-plus of those play Division I basketball, including Bucknell and Penn State. The recommendations were shared with NCAA President Mark Emmert early yesterday. The association and CFP did not immediately have comment. The 31-year-old Knight Commission is a reform-minded college athletics watchdog based in D.C. The commission's move comes from a long-standing frustration that FBS and the Power Five conferences have a weighted advantage in NCAA voting on issues, particularly when it comes to NCAA revenue distribution, that despite the NCAA not sponsoring a championship in FBS. So it would be interesting to see what happens with this going forward. Toward the top of the hour we go. Next half hour, we'll talk with the head football coach of the Nittany Lions, James Franklin, as we continue. Brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, here on News Radio 1070 WKOK.